opportunity to worship you through our tithes and our offerings. Father, And we just, uh, we're just grateful for yet another way, Lord, that we can honor you, that we can be obedient to you, Father God, and that we can trust you with everything that we have, including our finances. Thank you for that, Father God. Bless it. Take care of it, Father God. And we just pray that your kingdom would advance through it. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's welcome Pastor Alex. Good morning. morning. If you've got your Bibles open to Acts chapter 12. Acts chapter 12. Was anybody here second service last week? Would you raise your hand if you were here second service last week? Yeah, we've got some. Uh, For you guys who don't know, and I just want to start with this kind of, is that uh, we had an incredible encounter with the Lord um, that... um, you know, similar to what we just had, maybe a little weightier, uh, the, the weight in the presence of God was strong. There was, um, you know, about we were about 80% full, and there was 100% of those that were in attendance were on the floor. Uh, it was unbelievable. And, and what I talked to the staff about um, uh, and to the prayer team, we had 31 at prayer on Monday night, which is absolutely amazing that we have that kind of attendance on, on prayer. We appreciate that very much. Uh, by the way, it's just an honor to serve with a group of people who love the Lord like you do. Uh, it's, it's amazing. We, we're, we're, we're growing and uh, hopefully continue to grow in our knowledge and revelation of the Lord Jesus. And, uh, and that's what I want to bring our attention to. The weight of the Lord was so heavy, and he did such a work. And what I reminded the staff was that God does everything with intent. And, uh, and when, what I was asking the staff, and we talked about it prayer, was, what was what's the intent of the heaviness and the presence of God in our midst? I mean, obviously, it's, it's, it's powerful. Would you agree that, that his presence in worship is unusual? Anybody say hallelujah to that? Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 it's amazing. There's a reason for it. Um, what I want to remind you of is just don't take it for granted. You know, we do have empty seats. And this isn't happening everywhere. It's just not. And so get to work. People need the Lord, you know. And uh, so I just encourage you with that. But uh, last week what we did was we kind of took a Bible verse. We talked about Paul in Acts chapter 9 and his encounter. And then we kind of put that into an everyday this is how God wants to deal with people kind of thing to help us to, to grow in understanding how to have a relationship with God. We're going to do the same thing in Acts chapter 12. This is an encounter uh, that Peter has um, that he is walking through. And I, and I think uh, how the Lord wants me to present this is to make sure that we understand that there's a, there's a tension uh, in our relationship with God. There's, a, there's this tension, and what I mean by tension is um, there's an ebb and there's a flow, and, and, and you've kind of kind of uh, balanced those two or you get off balance. Um, what I mean by that is this. There are so many things in Scripture that are true that if you take them to the wrong place, become unbalanced, and, and it throws you off. Let me, let me give you a few. Uh, faith is one of them. 
You know, you got to have tremendous faith. You, but you only have to have faith as a mustard seed, and you can move mountains. But you can, you can, um, you can. Uh, I didn't. I, did I just feel the air go out of the room? No. Listen, you need to. You need to get a hold of me. You just need to bear with me for a minute. Um, if you if you start walking in authority too much because you say you have faith, uh, what you can do is actually start taking a walk by yourself. And you, and you get out in front of God so much that you're out of balance. And, and even though you're proclaiming some things that might have some truth attached to it, you're doing it outside of a relationship with the Holy Spirit. And it, and it messes things up. And then you wonder, what in the world's going on? Um, uh, we, we, do that, we do that in prayer, and that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about prayer that actually can break change, but... but there's just there's just this such ebb and flow. One of the things you hear all the time is we shouldn't be surprised when God does miracles. And I, I never have really understood why somebody could say that, but you hear that preached all the time. You know, we ought to just expect miracles. And we we do expect things from God because he says he moves mountains, but we want to be awe, don't we? We don't ever want to lose the wonder of a, of a of a of a God. And so if we get too cocky. Then, then we miss, we get out of balance, and we start missing, you know, the, this, this beautiful thing. And this, there's, this, there's this story of Peter, which I really love, and, and, uh, and we're going to talk about James as well as we, as we get moving. But there's this story of Peter, and, and it just it messes you up because in John chapter 21, Jesus prophesies. He says this, Truly, truly, I say to you, Peter, when, you're, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you'll, you'll stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. And, and, and we find Peter in Acts chapter 12. He's in prison. And, and again, you know, we, we, another area we can get out of balance is this idea of prosperity. But what, you, what you're going to discover with Peter is that he believed that he was prosperous because the miraculous was happening all around him. But, but he, wasn't expecting, he wasn't expecting the world not to throw stuff at him. He was prosperous because when the world threw something at him, God was with him. And, and one of the things that I think the Lord wants us to address in the church today is this idea that you can live clean in a world that's full of sin. That somehow it's not, gonna you know, it's not going to touch you. And, and that's just not the way it is. Or this is not going to touch the churches. It's just not the way it is. We, we go through life and it's difficult. Well, e even in death, you know, death is one of the weirdest things. And then when somebody dies, especially when they die too young, we go, what in the world? And we don't understand. And, and, and even in that, Jesus says this, you don't have to mourn like everybody else who doesn't have any hope. He doesn't say, don't mourn. He says, don't mourn like everybody else because you have hope in the, in the work of the cross. And so, and so just thinking about prayer and, and, and prayer that actually removes change and, and the thought of the church and the idea of, 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 of taking authority, and we can take authority, but not, in, not on our own. 
You, you take authority in conjunction with your relationship with the Holy Spirit. He, 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 has, he has declared you sons. He's declared you in our priest. He's done all those things. But it doesn't remove the idea of a dependency upon a holy God. And, and, and when you're dependent on God and, and when you're taking authority, which he asks us to do as the church, when you're praying the word of God, I mean, I, I just had Abba um, uh, uh, two Monday nights ago. We were praying, and he's just got this passion. He says, Pastor, Pastor, we, we've got to pray the word of God into people's lives. And I was like, absolutely, absolutely. We, we, we've got to pray the Word of God into people's lives. And, and you can do that. You've got to know the Word to be able to do it properly. Uh, and, then, and, and you can do that. But you, you do it kind of in conjunction with what the Spirit's giving you all at the same time. But this is what he said. And he tied this verse with it. And I was like, yes, man, that's, that's so good, Abba. He, he tied Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your understanding when you pray. Don't, don't lean on your understanding. Don't, don't lean on the information you have. Don't, don't, just, don't just spout that out, Michael, like what we were just talking about. The, we or Stephen, the, you know, the, the, the mess of what Satan's doing. But trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your understanding or how you see things. In all your ways, acknowledge that he is good. Acknowledge him, and he'll give you what to do. He'll, he'll direct you. He'll do that in your prayers. So, so he'll do that as you pray the word of God over things. But, but we have to know the word of God to begin to pray them over things in conjunction with the spirit of God. And so, and so we're going to see that in this story and we're going to see that in James chapter 5 as we get over into that as James, the brother of Jesus, instructs the church on how to carry out this task that we see happening in Acts chapter 12. Now, when we see this happening, we've got to understand that God's not just given us a history lesson and he's not just given the testimony of Peter, although he's doing both. He's teaching us how to be in relationship with him. He's teaching us how to be the church. He's not writing new law, right? He is testifying of the power of the cross and the work of the church. And so it says in chapter 1, I mean chapter 12, verse 1, Now about, the time, about that time Herod the king stretched out his hand to harass some from the church. Then he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And because he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to seize Peter also. Now it was during the days of unleavened bread, so when he had arrested him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four squads of soldiers to keep him intending to bring him before the people after Passover. And so there was a religious holiday. He knew that the Jews weren't going to deal with Peter at the time, like similarly to what Jesus was all about, you know, when, when they brought Jesus out and, and so on and so forth. Same thing is going on with Peter in this situation. And he puts four guards of four people. Now, I want you to understand, being a military man, I do understand what's going on. 
There are four watches in a day. How many How many have been in the military? Raise your hand if you've been in the military. There's not many of us that still... Man, you guys need to join the military. I don't know. <laughs> but we have stand watch. I mean, watches. I mean, you got to stand watch. Everybody stands watch. In different different uh, rates, stand different watches. But but generally, you know, they, they're shifts. And these are four, six-hour shifts. And what you see is you have two posts. And what you're going to see in this, and I want you to get a hold of it, is there's like a post where Danny Dry is out there in the lobby. There's a post out there, and then there's a post right at the prison. And so you got two guards out there, two guards here, 24-7 guarding Peter, a total of 16 men guarding one dude. So, so, so you see here Herod is putting great emphasis on making sure Peter's there when he wants to bring him to the Jews to, to kill him. And so Peter was therefore kept in prison, but constant prayer, say that with me, but constant prayer was offered to God for him by who? Constant prayer was offered to God about Peter by the church. Now, the reason I'm, I, I was drawn to this message was last week, last week, there was this sense of, in the second service, the, the presence of God was so heavy. I was laying on the floor right here. Michael was laying on the floor right here singing, and everybody else was laid out on the floor. And God seemed to bring this, this, this uh, fervency and this, this, this outcry of repentance from the whole congregation. At the same time, there was this heaviness of his mercy that covered all of it all at the same time. I mean, it was this weight that came on us that says, look at your condition, see where you are, pursue me again, my mercy's enough for you. I mean, it was all at the same time. It was like, like we were just like, whoa. We, 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 were, we were just... We were worn out by it. And in that sense, I, I felt like the Lord said, listen, listen, if you'll begin to call out the names of people that you know, if you'll begin to call out family members, if you'll begin to call out people's names at work, people who need the Lord, people who need the Lord in their marriage, people who are having trouble with their children, people who have financial problems, people that are battling sickness, people that, that are just down on a lot, people that are struggling with depression or anxiety or any of the things that are going on in our culture today that are just rampant, that you, if you would name those names, then I'll give them revelation of their condition and my mercy will be enough for them. If the church would just call out. Amen. And you see that in this passage of Scripture. That the church was dedicated to calling the names of those who need Jesus, who were in prison and held captive. Now, see, I think Peter was in prison for this story so that we would know that Jesus is the one who rescues people from captivity and drops chains off. He's the one who does that because we see that, that, that it is in conjunction, listen, it's in conjunction with the prayers of the church. So if the church doesn't pray, is Peter freed?
You see, I think so many people are still in captivity because we haven't called their name. And when you start thinking about that idea, but constant. Peter was therefore kept in prison, but, circle but if you got your Bibles, but constant prayer was offered to God for Peter by the church. And when Herod was about to bring him out that night, Peter was sleeping, bound with two chains between two soldiers, and the guards before the door were keeping the prison. There's two, two different posts. Now behold, an angel of the Lord stood by him. Now what I want you to see is it says right here, it says right here, and when Herod was about to bring him out. Have you ever known God to do anything except at the last minute? I mean, why is that? Why is that? I, I, I'm being just as serious as I can be. It's funny, but it's true, isn't it? Because it's the only way he could get us desperate enough to depend on him is to wait to the time that if God doesn't move, it's not going to happen. But God is interested in this, this constancy, this consistency of prayer in conjunction with relationship with him, a dependency upon him. There's just... There's just relationship that God is so desperate for from us, not, not desperation in a negative way, but in a, in a loving, fatherly way. And so behold, an angel of the Lord stood by him at light, and a light shone in the prison. <laughs> Come on. It looks just like Paul, doesn't it? It looks just like Paul. And, and then this is what I love. And the, and the angel kicked Peter in the side. Oh, get up, get up. I've done that to my boy. I don't know how many times. Elbow drop him on the head and say that word, get up. If you got kids, you know exactly what I mean. And I stood by him in the light and a light shone on the prison and struck Peter on the side and raised up saying, arise quickly. And his chains fell off his hands. Somebody say hallelujah. Come on. Now, what I love about this passage of Scripture is, is that you've got engagement. I mean, wait a minute. Hold on. With the churches praying constantly for Peter, and God responds by sending an angel. And when God sends the angel, light comes into darkness. Chains fall off. But he kicks Peter and says, get up quickly. Put on your clothes and let's go. There's always a response by the individual to move into what God is doing. There's this place of moving into something. God said, I'm here. I'm working. But get up. Respond. Move into what I'm doing. There's so, it's so relational. Can you see that? There's a relationship that God wants us to do. And there's so oftentimes, <laughs> I heard this thing, somebody sent it to me today. It's, it's amazing to me, it's in a mindset that's in our culture. You know, there was a, in, in biblical times and, 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 you know, times that we've discussed 
you know, like in the 50s and 60s, you would, you've heard the phrase, you know, what must I do to be saved? And today the question is not what must I do to be saved. The question is what can I do and get away with and still be saved? You know, there's not this subjection to the move quickly. Here I am. I want you to move with me. Here's the direction. Let's go. Here we move. And so, Lord, what do you want me to do? Well, I want you to get up. I want you to put on your glove, put on your garments, and follow me. So he went out and he followed him. Put, uh, follow him. So he went out and he followed him and, and did not know that what was done by the angel was real. He still, he still, trying to figure that out, but thought he was seeing a vision. And when they were past the first and the second guard posts, they came to the iron gate that leads out of the city, which opened to them on its own accord. And they went out, and they went down one street, and immediately the angel departed from him. And when Peter had come to himself, he said, now I know for certain that the Lord has sent his angel and has delivered me from the hand of Herod and from all expectation of the Jewish people. So when he had considered this, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where the church was gathered, praying. And as Peter knocked at the door of the gate, a girl named Rhoda came to answer and when she recognized Peter's voice because of her gladness, she didn't open the door. She just ran back there and said, Peter's here, Peter's here. And they said, you've lost your mind. But she kept saying, no, 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 he's here, I'm telling you, he's here. So they said, it's his angel. I love this. At least there's faith to believe that there's an angel, right? I mean, I mean, there's an expectation that Peter, he just, he just keeps on knocking, and they open the door, and they saw him, and they were astonished. But Peter says, shh, 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 motion with his hand to keep silent. He declared to them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. And he said, go tell these things to James and to the brethren. And he departed and went to another place. And then as soon as it was day, there was no small stir among the soldiers about what had become of Peter. But, but when Herod had searched for him and not found him, he examined the guards and commanded that they should be put to death. And he went down from Judea to Caesarea, Caesarea and stayed there. That's where Peter was from. If you go there, you can see that that's where his mother-in-law was. And, and there's a st actually, there's a, there's, um, this city's still there, right, right at the mouth of, of the Jordan coming into Sea of Galilee. They were shocked. They were earnestly praying that Peter be set free and then he was set free and they said no way no way no way no can't be peter it's got to be his ghost i mean peter's in prison right you ever prayed and god did something you went oh 
See, I love that they were still in wonder, and I love the fight that Peter went, hey, man, shh, shh, shh. The angel came in. The chains fell off. The doors opened automatically. I walked out. I didn't know if I was seeing things. I didn't know if I had bad pizza. I didn't know what the deal was. And then I get out to this street called Straight, and when I got there, the angel was gone. And I came to my senses, and I realized that I'd been set free. Go tell everybody that this is the God we serve. The God that opens up prison gates. The God, God who sets the captive free. The God who drops off those that are held captive and the chains that hold people captive. That's who we serve. And then he goes on about his way. But there's a testimony to the church. Why? Because we need those kinds of testimonies to keep on praying. We need those kind of testimonies that, that remind us who our God is. That help us understand that he's with us, that he's for us, that, that he, he wants to set the path straight. Aaron, could you come? Now, Aaron has no idea what I'm preaching today. and He came up to me just a minute ago, and he gave me a word, and I want you to hear this word. Uh, yeah, so I was in the back, and I was, uh, you know, during worship, and I felt, um, I was just praying for God to give me a picture if he had one, and I felt like God gave me a picture that um, there are people in the room feeling discouraged about situations, about maybe things that they, it's like, it's like those classes you had either in college or high school or whatever where you feel like, you know, it's the day of the exam and I don't know the material. I haven't been studying. I don't understand what's going on. And God was just saying that there's situations in everybody's life where that's happening right now, where they either feel really discouraged or they feel afraid or something that's going on. And God was just saying that this week all he's looking for is attendance. He's not looking for people coming with all the answers. He was looking for people just to show up and be present. And what God was saying is, in those moments, I'm going to give you the answers to the test. I'm going to give you the blueprint. I'm going to give you these things. All you literally have to do is show up, because this week I'm taking attendance. <laughs> That's just good to me. When he's telling me that up here, I'm going, oh, my goodness. See, God is looking for somebody who's going to come earnestly pray and expect uh, and be wowed by his showing up. Because he says, he says, he says in James chapter 4, verse 7, he says, Humble yourself before God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. Come close to God, and God will come close to you. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6 through 11, he says, Humble yourselves. Say that with me. Humble yourselves under the mighty power of God. And at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. 
Remember that your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering you are. In His kindness, God called you to share in His eternal glory by means of Christ Jesus. So after you have suffered a little while, say this with me, He will restore, support, and strengthen you. And He will place you on a firm foundation. All power to Him forever and ever. Amen. Now, he didn't say, here's a firm foundation I want you to co-stand on. What he says is, I want you to come to me. I want you to participate. I want you to make yourself available to me. And as you do, even in the midst of going through the tough times, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. All you got to do is humble yourself. We were praying. We were praying on Monday night. And there, were, there was somebody that was, they were, they were praying, um, it, was, it was one of the Beatitudes, and I, and I got to remember what it is because I wasn't planning on preaching this, and so it was one of the Beatitudes that says, um, those, who thir- uh, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness shall be filled. Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness shall be filled. And see, what we do is, when we started praying, there's nothing, you know, there's not, there's just, sometimes we do stuff because <laughs> we don't know any better. But anyway, this, I'm trying to say it in a nice way. But <clears throat> he was praying to be filled. He, 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 he named that verse and he was praying to be filled. And I was like, you know, that's great. I'm glad you prayed that, but you don't need to be praying that. What you need to be praying is, Lord, help me hunger and thirst for righteousness. God, give me a passion for your word. Give me a passion for your way. Help me, Lord Jesus, to align myself with you. Submit to you, O God, because I know when I do, I will be filled. Because you're going to do the work. I've got to do my part. You're faithful to do your part. And that's what he says here. He says, if, if you humble yourself, there's this plan that if you'll uh, align yourself, come in agreement with God at the right time, at just the last minute, he will honor you as a son and a priest. And he will lift you up. He will lift you up. He will support you. He will restore you. He will strengthen you. He will place you on a firm foundation. He'll do it. And so that's why fervent prayer works. It says about fervent prayer that it's effective. And so we should never give up. You know, I know... (laughs) I know you got people that you love that hate God. I know that you got people that you love that hate you because you love God. I know that there are people at work who who you know are hurting people and you know that you have the solution in Jesus, yet they hate you or don't like you because of what you represent. Never stop praying for them. Never give up. 
You may be the thing that releases them from captivity. It may be your, your constant praying for them that actually frees them. There might be a dependency upon you calling out their name. I, I, I'm, being as, I'm being as transparent as I can possibly be. And, I, and I'm saying, I'm saying uh, this to you, but it, it comes back to me as well. You know, uh, you know, the people in this church, the marriages in this church, the, the parents in this church, the grandparents in this church, the finances of, of the people in the church, the, 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 the oppression that comes and, and, and the, 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 sometimes the lackadaisical attitude toward the Word of God in different situations or, or whatever it might be that, that my job is to continually, constantly be lifting people's name up in prayer. Not, not, just, not just this blanket which we can do sometimes as well. But we need, you know, in other words, everybody at work, Lord, save them. Well, how about Bill and Brett and Sarah and Sam and, and, and uh, Doug and Richard and, you know, you just name it. You just name Lord, Lord, in the name of Jesus, I pray, I pray that revelation knowledge will come. I, I pray, God, that, that that thing, that idolatrous thing, that thing that he's placing in his life or her life that's, that she's placed there instead of you, I pray, God, that that, would, that that would thing would lose its hold, lose its power of them, and they would actually come to a revelation that, that you are the one. You're, there's no other God before you. Great is your name and greatly to be praised, that you're holy and you're not like anything else. Our fervent prayer is effective. When the church earnestly prays, it moves the heart of God. And it moves the heart of God against sin, against temptation, and against the enemy. Again, in James, it says, humble yourself before God, resist the devil, and he will flee. There's two things. First, humble yourself before God. You got to do it. Second, resist the devil, and he will flee. Come close to God, and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Now, if you don't get a little bite with that, you're not alive. You need to breathe some air. Because <laughs> we all get bit with that a little bit, right? We can test ourselves on that. James, in chapter 5, verse 16, he shows us what God expects the posture of the church to be. Now, oftentimes in what we live in is a culture that, that loves great preachers. Praise the Lord. Y'all don't love great preachers. Y'all just love the presence of God. Somebody say hallelujah. <laughs> but we come together, and we're supposed to come together as a church to do what James points out in, in chapter 5. Now, if you look at chapter 5, it says, bring those who are sick and, you know, all, all I said, bring them to the elders, anoint them with oil, pray for them, they'll be healed, right? Well, he just keeps on going. Keeps on going. It says, so in verse 16, confess your trespasses to one another. Confess where you're missing it. You know, where your actions don't align with holiness. That's it. Where, where do my actions not align with holiness when I speak? 
Where, where does my actions don't align with holiness when I think, my thoughts? I need to take them captive. And, and it says, talk to each other about those things. Now, this is the church. This is why we gather and pray for one another. Confess, pray with one another, and you'll be the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. And then there's this beautiful picture of this ebb and flow that I was talking about just a little bit ago. Elijah was a man with a nature like yours and mine. And he prayed earnestly that it wouldn't rain. And it didn't rain on the land for three years and six months. And then he prayed again in heaven, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. Now, when I read that passage of Scripture, and I read it in context with this idea that we're supposed to be praying for each other, confessing to each other where we're missing the mark, and then we're to expect God to move in miraculous ways. There's this expectation. Now, I just I want to I want to just get this ebb and flow. And the reference is Elijah, right? So Elijah gets word from the Lord and says, "Pray to stop the rain," right? So Elijah was clear. He prayed, and it didn't rain for three years and a few months, right? Can you imagine? How many know that there's a drought in Charlotte? I mean, it rained a little bit last week or the other night, but it hadn't rained in forever. But it hadn't been but like, you know, 30 days, 45 days, three years. In other words, if you're not in constant contact with the Lord, first of all, you don't hear him say, pray for it to stop raining. Second, after it hadn't rained for like three months, you're going, Lord, you want me to pray for rain? I mean, Lord, we need rain. I'm going to take authority over this dryness. You're tracking with me, right? I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I've got authority. And then, no, 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 no. And the Lord's like, I told you to pray that. Why? Because you're praying that on your own accord. He's waiting to hear the voice of God, and he has a relationship with him that when the Holy Spirit speaks, he's ready to declare it, and he knows when the Holy Spirit tells him to pray, it's going to rain. Why? Because he has authority. It's an ebb and flow that God has that's shown here in Peter. That when the church pay, prays, it's powerful and effective. And he breaks off the change and he does the miraculous. And he says, pray all these things. Pray the word of God. Lean not on your understanding. You can solidly pray the word of God over things. But you better be listening for the word of the Lord, the power of the Holy Spirit to come upon you. And when you do, you can pray the will of God. Yeah. Romans chapter 8 says, pray in the Spirit. When you pray in the Spirit, you pray the will of God. Now, I'm going to take two minutes, and I'm going to talk about this just a second, because I think it's important. We can. There's an ebb and flow in that that gets messed up. There's an ebb and flow. There's a. And some of you theology. We come from all kind of backgrounds here, but some of you, you know, 
have, have, have just pounded in your head that when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, you're going to pray in tongues. Well, it didn't happen to Paul. We don't know why it didn't happen to Paul in, in, in chapter 9 when he, when, he, when he came into contact. He got healed. He got, he, his, the, the, the things fell off his eyes. He got filled with the Holy Spirit. He, he went a different way. He started preaching the gospel. And later on, he says, I pray in tongues more than you all. So we know that he exercised the gift, which I think is available to everybody who's baptized in the Holy Spirit. I just don't, don't think you have to do it the day that you're baptized in the Holy Spirit. You may, something else may happen to you, but we categorize God. There's not this pull. We, we, God has to fit in this little space or somehow our theology kind of gets all messed up. I think God just messes up, up on purpose. I think he just wants you to think, you just can't come to a conclusion because where were you when I created the universe, Stephen? You know, there's just, there's a dependency on him. Not his function. And when he says, you humble yourself, you come to me, all who are heavy laden, and it doesn't say you'll get rest. It says, I will give you rest. You do this, I'll do this. You do this, I'll do this. You do this, I'll do this. There's a dependency. There's this ebb and flow in prayer. We're in relationship with the Holy Spirit, and we're expecting miraculous, but we're wowed by it. We're in awe. Look what our God did. Can you believe it? That's amazing. I want to be encouraged. I want to keep praying. I want to recognize the fact that constant, fervent prayer avails much. And I want to be the one who is responsible for God, to God that says, I understand, Lord, that I may be the, I may be the flow that actually speaks salvation and freedom on somebody's life. Because I've been obedient in relationship with you to call his name constantly, never giving up. Never give up. Never give up. Does that make sense? Ebb and flow. I have authority in relationship with the Holy Spirit. Don't go embarking out without submission to the, to the Lord. Tenderly. Patiently. Waiting on the voice of God to give you instruction to declare what he wants you to declare. And the proper timing will reap a harvest. It'll begin to bear fruit. When the church prays earnestly, it moves the heart of God against sin, against temptation, and against the enemy, and it release, releases supernatural stuff, God's grace, God's angels. It gives us confidence as the church, and he uses the church supernaturally, but he also uses unbelievers. So oftentimes, it's not until after the fact, Stephen, that we see the hand of God. You're going to be praying. You're going to be praying for people. Stuff's going to happen. And you're going to go, wow. Later down the road, man, that was God. And that was God. That's the life I want to live. 
I know that's what you want to live to, right? So what's our call? Our call is what Aaron said. He's looking for participation. He's looking for the church to be the church. He's looking for us to call the name of the people that we love, the people that need the Lord, the people that need their marriage healed, the people that have trouble with children, the people that are depressed and killing themselves, the people that are addicts, the people that are having financial struggles. Somebody's got to call their name so that God can send his angel, unlock the prison doors, release the change, and set the captive free. Yes? Father, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, we know that's what you designed the church to do. Jesus, you turned over the tables with the money changers and you declared my house will be a house of prayer. Father, let us not take for granted the power of constant belief that you're the freer of the captive. Let us not ever take for granted that we fight against flesh and blood. We don't. We fight against powers and principalities in heavenly places that are guarding people in their prisons. I pray, God, that as we call their names, that there would be a power come upon them, that they can resist the devil. And when they do, Lord, he will flee. When they draw near to God, when they draw near you, God, you'll draw near to them. It's just what you do. And so, God, this morning, that's our call. And we say yes. Father, as we go through this week, as Aaron said, who's going to show up? Who's going to show up? so that you can give them solutions to pray over people and over situations so that we can declare your kingdom over different things. I thank you for what we're going to witness. I thank you for the testimonies like Peter had to come back and say, I'm free, I'm free, I'm free. I thank you for that, God. I pray in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen, amen, amen. 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 Cool?